everyone, you're listening to God's Whole Story, a podcast of Worship Center. We know just how hard it is to read God's Word and understand it, so we decided to read the Bible chronologically this year and talk about it together. Thanks so much for joining us. Hey everyone, it's Chelsea, and you're listening to God's Whole Story, and I'm here again with Lindsay, and we're wrapping up the tabernacle today. The ark, and the table, and the wash basin, and (laughs) it is sad. Um, But what's the got to you today, Lindsay? What do you think? Yeah, I think this is, again, what stood out to me is you can't get maybe lost in the details when you're reading it and you're like seven and a half feet long. Right, because I mean, I was the one that was reading it today and (laughs) I was like, my numbers, all the numbers were kind of like going together in my head. Yeah, I guess a little brain, (laughs) Yeah, your brain starts to melt a little bit. (laughs) Uh, But just uh, being reminded of just... Some of the details are important and just the beautiful fabric and the effort and the skill and all of this was uh, symbolizing something greater. Again, this is the meeting place of God with man. Mm -hmm. God is on a mission to restore what was lost in Eden. He's Nothing is going to stop him. Mm -hmm. Um, And so what was lost in Eden, we lost our dwelling with God, where there was beauty, there was order, there was abundance, there was life. And so this symbolism reflects that, that this is the place where Israel is going to meet with God. So it's got to be like that. It's going to be another little Eden. It's Mm -hmm. not obviously what they totally, it still leaves you hoping there's got to be something more. Um, But there's beauty, there's order, there's abundance. Because when man sinned, the world became full of death and chaos, and scarcity, and this is not that. This mm-hmm. isn't some uh, cardboard-constructed tabernacle. Right. This is a place that truly reflects what it looks like when God and His people dwell together. Yeah, yeah. definitely. And we were talking about before how uh, the wilderness wasn't this amazing place to be in for the Israelites. They're in the wilderness right now. They're in the desert. Yeah. Um, and this place, this place of beauty is like the one bright spot, I think, for the wilderness. Yeah, that's actually amazing to think about. Yeah. I mean, and no one could, but not everyone could experience it. And that's where we're kind of lacking, like, there has to be more. Um, And the Israelites are constantly looking ahead to, like, when God is going to fulfill this and they can dwell with God individually forever. Yeah. Um, But yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes we look at it and we're, like, thinking of the tabernacle as, like, it's not enough. Mm -hmm. Like... This is, and we kind of throw it out like this is stupid because this is religious, whatever. Mm-hmm. And that was the purpose, partly. It was part of God's plan, but it was pointing towards God's ultimate plan. Mm-hmm. And that kind of feeling of not enough shouldn't drive us to throw all this out um, in that it has no meaning. Mm-hmm. It, that's what the Israelites were supposed to, it was supposed to create this longing of wanting to dwell with God. This is what it looks like when God's amongst his people, mm-hmm. um, his beauty and his abundance. And it's all there. Yeah. And yeah. you see their desire to, to make it happen. I mean, they bring thousands of pounds yes. of gold and silver and Amazing. bronze and they, and I think you said, were we recording the last episode when we said this, but, um, it all came from Egypt. Like all these things, yeah, came from Egypt. I don't think we're recording, but it's amazing. God used what they plundered from Egypt, yeah. and He redeemed it and transformed it into worship for Him. Yeah. So the things that we gained in our slavery, mm. we don't. God doesn't throw out our past. Mm. He transforms it and mm-hmm. uses it for His glory in yeah. our future. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. I mean, and the other thing that stuck out to me was good old Bezalel. I think we decided that we like Bezalel a lot. Another child and name him Bezalel. I vote for Bezalel. (laughs) (laughs) 
Oh, my goodness. I'm um, like, Sarah, my childbearing years have come to an end. <laughs> <laughs> but you, my friend. Well, maybe you shouldn't compare yourself to Sarah unless you actually want your childbearing years to come to an end. <laughs> yes. And my husband doesn't want me to be Sarah finding servants for him to, yeah. <laughs> Every, every every Bible name that we name our child after is problematic at some point. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Because unless, I mean, unless it's Jesus, but. Unless, and yeah, just use Jesus, don't okay. use Jesus. Right, exactly. <laughs> um, but yeah, Bezalel, I mean, we were talking about before how it says a couple times in this passage that he does these things with great skill and care. Yeah. And we're talking about how it's an act of worship. It's. He is not just, like, following the instructions, putting his Ikea tabernacle together. Nope. He nope. is taking all the skills and all the knowledge and the spirit of God that is upon him that we know about. Um, and he's worshiping God by building I wonder tabernacle. if every Christian actually looked at their vocation and job and calling like that, hmm. like Bezalel did. Yeah. And saw everything is holy and sacred to God. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> What would it be like? <laughs> <laughs> we would be people who would be really marked differently in the workplace, wouldn't yeah, we? Yeah, well, I mean, even working here at a church, I don't – I mean, it, the, the amazing opportunity that I have escapes me sometimes. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, how much more people who are in the workplace that is not a church or a nonprofit or whatever, like, yeah. there's meaning behind what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Actually, in, in your dwell class, <laughs> we were talking about the – um. What's it called? Voca- like, what do you call Vocation. it? Vocation. Vocation, but like the end of like the final Eden where we're all going to have this holy vocation or whatever. Yes. That our jobs still matter. Our job, we'll still be working. Yes. In, in eternity. Yes. Sorry, that was a long way to get there. But I was thinking about my husband, Dustin, who's a paramedic. <laughs> I was like, is he going to be out of a job? <laughs> yeah. Some of us will be out of jobs and we're going to have to find something in a similar vein, but a little different. No more gunshot wounds. No more. In Eden. <laughs> no more gunshot wounds in the new Eden, in the new heavens, and the new earth. Sorry, Dustin. Sorry. We'll, we'll find something else we'll for find something. To you got to be good at something else. I don't know. <laughs> That'll be his chance to pivot and have a second career. Right. Yep. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, I mean, I think it's it's been such a blessing. I was actually kind of dreading these readings because I was like, what are we going to talk about when we're talking about all these pounds of silver and measurements? Because (laughs) my brain just does not work that way. Yeah. But I think it's really cool to be able to read these things, and it points to what's to come. It points to the importance of worshiping God for the Israelites. This is what they were meant to do. Um, And it was important to the Israelites, too. Like, I think about that. It's easy to read it and not have it in context. But if you're you're thinking about yourself, putting yourself in the the Israelites' shoes and hearing this, this is so important to them. So important. Absolutely. I agree. It's important for us, too, today. Okay. Well, tomorrow we finish with the tabernacle. I'm very excited about it. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, thanks so much for listening, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye. Exodus 37, beginning in verse 1. Next, Bezalel made the Ark of Acacia wood, a sacred chest 45 inches long, 27 inches wide, and 27 inches high. He overlaid it inside and outside with pure gold, and he ran a molding of gold all around it. He cast four gold rings and attached them to its four feet, two rings on each side. Then he made poles from the acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. He inserted the poles into the rings as at the sides of the cart Ark to carry it. Then he made the ark's cover, the place of atonement, from pure gold. It was 45 inches long and 27 inches wide. 
He made two cherubim from hammered gold and placed them on the two ends of the atonement cover. He molded the cherubim on each end of the atonement cover, making it all one piece of gold. The cherubim faced each other and looked down on the atonement cover. With their wings spread above it, they protected it. Then Bezalel made the table of acacia wood 36 inches long, 18 inches wide, and 27 inches high. He overlaid it with pure gold and ran a gold molding around the edge. He decorated it with a three-inch border all around, and he ran a gold molding along the border. Then he cast four gold rings for the table and attached them at the four corners next to the four legs. The rings were attached near the border to hold the poles that were used to carry the table. He made these special containers of pure gold for the table, bowls, ladles, jars, and pitchers to be used in pouring out liquid offerings. Then Bezalel made the lampstand of pure hammered gold. He made the entire lampstand and its decorations of one piece, the base, center stem, lamp cups, buds, and petals. The lampstand had six branches going out from the center stem, three on each side. Each of the six branches had three lamp cups shaped like almond blossoms, complete with buds and petals. The center stem of the lampstand was crafted with four lamp cups shaped like almond blossoms, complete with buds and petals. There was an almond bud beneath each pair of the branches where the six branches extended from the center stem, all made of one piece. The almond buds and branches were all of one piece with the center stem, and they were hammered from pure gold. He also made seven lamps for the lampstand, lamp snuffers, and trays, all of pure gold. The entire lampstand, along with its accessories, was made from 75 pounds of pure gold. Then Bezalel made the incense altar of acacia wood. It was 18 inches square and 36 inches high, with horns at the corners carved from the same piece of wood as the altar itself. He overlaid the top, sides, and horns of the altar with pure gold, and he ran a gold molding around the entire altar. He made two gold rings and attached them on opposite sides of the altar below the gold molding to hold the carrying poles. He made the poles of acacia wood and overlaid them with gold. Then he made the sacred anointing oil and the fragrant incense, using the techniques of a skilled incense maker. Next, Bezalel used acacia wood to construct the square altar of burnt offering. It was seven and a half feet wide, seven and a half feet long, and four and a half feet high. He made horns for each of its four corners so that the horns and altar were all one piece. He overlaid the altar with bronze. Then he made all the altar utensils of bronze, the ash buckets, shovels, basins, meat forks, and fire pans. Next, he made a bronze grating and installed it halfway down the side of the altar under the ledge. He cast four rings and attached them to the corners of the bronze grating to hold the carrying poles. He made the poles from acacia wood and overlaid them with bronze. He inserted the poles through the rings on the sides of the altar. The altar was hollow and was made from planks. Bezalel made the bronze wash basin and its bronze stand from bronze mirrors donated by the women who served at the entrance of the tabernacle. Then Bezalel made the courtyard, which was enclosed with curtains made of finely woven linen. On the south side of the curtains were 150 feet long, and they were held up by 20 posts set securely in 20 bronze bases. He hung the curtains with silver hooks and rings. He made a similar set of curtains on the north side, 150 feet of curtains, held up by 20 posts set securely in bronze bases. He hung the curtains with silver hooks and rings. The curtains on the west side of the courtyard were 75 feet long, hung with silver hooks and rings, and supported by the 10 posts set into 10 bases. The east end, the front, was also 75 feet long. The courtyard entrance was on the east end, flanked by two curtains. The curtain on the right side was 22 and a half feet long and was supported by three posts set into three bases. The curtain on the left side was also 22 and a half feet long and was supported by three posts set into three bases. All the curtains used in the courtyard were made of finely woven linen. Each post had a bronze base and all the hooks and rings were silver. 
The tops of the posts of the courtyard were overlaid with silver, and the rings to hold up the curtains were made of silver. He made the curtain for the entrance to the courtyard of finely woven linen, and he decorated it with a beautiful embroidery in blue, purple, and scarlet thread. It was 30 feet long, and its height was seven and a half feet, just like the curtains of the courtyard walls. It was supported by four posts, each set securely in its own bronze base. The tops of the posts were overlaid with silver, and the hooks and rings were also made of silver. All the tent pegs used in the tabernacle and courtyard were made of bronze. This is an inventory of the materials used in the building of the tabernacle of the covenant. The Levites compiled the figures as Moses directed, and Ithamar, son of Aaron, the priest, served as a recorder. Bezalel, son of Uri, grandson of Hur, of the tribe of Judah, made everything just as the Lord had commanded Moses. He was assisted by Holiab, son of Amishmach, of the tribe of Dan, a craftsman expert at engraving, designing, and embroidering with blue, purple, and scarlet thread on fine linen cloth. The people brought special offerings of gold totaling 2,193 pounds, as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. This gold was used throughout the tabernacle. The whole community of Israel gave 7,545 pounds of silver as measured by the weight of the sanctuary shekel. This silver came from the tax collected from each man registered in the census. The tax is one bega, which is half of a shekel based on the sanctuary shekel. The tax was collected from 603,550 men who had reached their 20th birthday. The hundred bases for the frames of the sanctuary walls and for the posts supporting the inner curtain required 7,500 pounds of silver, about 75 pounds for each base. The remaining 45 pounds of silver was used to make the hooks and rings and to overlay the tops of the post. The people also brought as special offerings 5,310 pounds of bronze, which was used for casting the bases for the post at the entrance of the tabernacle, and for the bronze altar with its bronze grating and all the altar utensils. Bronze was also used to make the bases for the posts that supported the curtains around the courtyard. The bases for the curtain at the entrance of the courtyard and all the tent pegs for the tabernacle and the courtyard. The craftsmen made beautiful sacred garments of blue, purple, and scarlet cloth, clothing for Aaron to wear while ministering in the holy place, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Bezalel made the ephod of finely woven linen and embroidered it with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet thread. He made the gold thread by hammering out thin sheets of gold and cutting it into fine strands. With great skill and care, he worked it into the fine linen with a blue, purple, and scarlet thread. The ephod consisted of two pieces front and back, joined at the shoulders with two shoulder pieces. The decorative sash was made of the same materials, finely woven linen embroidered with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet thread, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. They mounted the two onyx stones in settings of gold filigree. The stones were engraved with the names of the tribes of Israel, just as the seal is engraved. He fastened these stones on the shoulder pieces of the ephod as a reminder that the priest represents the people of Israel. All this was done just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Bezalel made the chest piece with great skill and care. He made it to match the ephod using finely woven linen embroidered with gold and with blue, purple, and scarlet thread. He made the chest piece of a single piece of cloth folded to form a pouch nine inches square. They mounted four rows of gemstones on it. The first row contained a red carnelian, a pale green peridot, and an emerald. The second row contained a turquoise, a blue lapis lazuli, and a white moonstone. The third row contained an orange jacinth, and a gate, and a purple amethyst. The fourth row contained a blue-green barrel, an onyx, and a green jasper. All these stones were set in gold filigree. Each stone represented one of the twelve sons of Israel and the name of the tribe that was engraved on it like a seal. 
To attach the chest piece to the ephod, they made braided cords of pure gold thread. They also made two settings of gold filigree and two gold rings and attached them to the top corners of the chest piece. They tied the two gold cords to the rings on the chest piece. They tied the other ends of the cords to the gold settings on the shoulder pieces of the ephod. Then they made two more gold rings and attached them to the inside edges of the chest piece next to the ephod. Then they made two more gold rings and attached them to the front of the ephod below the shoulder pieces, just above the knot where the decorative sash was fastened to the ephod. They attached the bottom rings of the chest piece to the rings on the ephod with blue cords. In this way, the chest piece was held securely to the ephod above the decorative sash. All this was done just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Bezalel made the robe that is worn with the ephod from a single piece of blue woven cloth with an opening for Aaron's head in the middle of it. The opening was reinforced with a woven collar so it would not tear. They made pomegranates of blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and attached them to the hem of the robe. They also made bells of pure gold and and placed them between the pomegranates along the hem of the robe with bells and pomegranates alternating all around the hem. This robe was to be worn whenever the priests ministered before the Lord, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. They made tunics for Aaron and his sons from fine linen cloth. The turban and the special head coverings were made of fine linen, and the undergarments were also made of finely woven linen. The sashes were made of finely woven linen and embroidered with blue, purple, and scarlet thread, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Finally, they made the sacred medallion, the badge of holiness, of pure gold. They engraved it like a seal with these words, Holy to the Lord. They attached the medallion with a blue cord to Aaron's turban, just as the Lord had commanded Moses. Hey guys, this is Ryan, and I hope you are getting a lot out of God's whole story. Uh, It means a lot to us even as we are reading through God's Word every single day in the order that it happened. Um, If you want to go ahead and follow us, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at God's Whole Story Podcast. Uh, We would love it if you would share this thing with your friends or people that you know, or just share what's sticking out to you. Uh, You can either send us a DM, or you could actually email us at podcast at worshipcenter.org. You can email us if you have any questions, if something stuck out to you, if you'd like us to pray for you. And if you want a Bible, if you don't have one right now, or if you want a copy of the one that we're using to go through God's whole story, we'd be happy to send that to you. So go ahead and reach out to us in any way that you'd like. We'd love to hear from you. Have a great day.